Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to Melanated Stamps. I'm so glad you found my little corner of the world. My name is Dr. Jenea Perdue, and this is my podcast. I'm so glad you're here. On my podcast, I do book reviews of Black authors, Black books written by Black people, and I also interview some super incredible human beings all over the world. Join me, follow me, subscribe me, find me on Instagram at Melanated Stamps, M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D-S-T-A-M-P-S. We have a great show coming. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Melanated Stamps. My name is Jenea, and we have a new guest, and she's cool, and I think you're going to love her. Um, So welcome to the podcast. Can you share a little bit of who you are? Hello. I am going to try to get a little better lighting here. I think where I was at was pretty good. All right, we're going to stay there. Yes. Okay. Hi. Good morning. I am Alorum Velvet. Um, I am... All kinds of things. (laughs) Mm I am a freelance producer uh, of film and television. I am a burlesque performer and producer. Um, I am, I I think I'm just an all around badass, honestly. Um, I am now the owner and founder of Velvet Boutique Beauty, which is a, sorry, it is a beauty supply retail store here in Denver that specializes in caters to customers with natural curly and textured hair like myself. Yes, I have so many follow-up questions. You didn't tell me before you're a burlesque dancer that I have many questions about this one. That's so cool. Okay, so yes, can you share... Um, why beauty products right now? Like, what was your thinking behind starting that as a as your business venture? Um. Well, it started pretty much. Well, beauty is a everyday part of my life, honestly. Um. Well, as a producer and performer, you know, you gotta be on all the time and be ready with your looks. Um. But also. Me, I started my natural hair journey about, oh my gosh, eight, nine years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been hard for me to find the products that I needed for my hair and feel comfortable going into a store to ask those questions, get the answers that I need, and actually get the service and respect that is deserved of me as a customer. And it's been mm-hmm was difficult to find that and so I was like during the pandemic here I'm sitting I was like what can I do that will not only benefit myself but my neighborhood sorry <clears throat> excuse me but my neighborhood and my family and everything all together so it's like hey let's open a beauty supply store that is just for us and another part of it is that I make sure that I'm seeking out um, products made by local people here in Denver, um, as well as other black makers. And so a lot, almost all of my products are made by black companies um, and they are 
locally sourced. And so, yeah, I'm trying to do all the things that I say that need to be done and actually act them out. And that's where I'm at. That is so amazing. I... I've been with these interviews, I've been talking with folks um, who are building the business community and um, supporting each other. So like I buy from you and you buy from me. So I'm so glad that you're like the you're going to or are one of the hubs there, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's great, you know, and it's like having people come in the store like, oh I know this store. Like, yeah, well, that's a local product. And yeah, it's it's been fun. Well, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes. Um, so you prioritize the locally sourced things. Um, and what has your hair journey been like? Like what made you decide to go natural yourself and why is this an important part of your journey and of your who you are as a person? Um, my hair journey, it started off, you know, obviously I had always kept it relaxed and like when I was I want to say when I was probably like four or five my mom put the first relaxer in my head and it you know just really chapped my dad's high and he was like she's got this beautiful hair why are you doing that and it was because it needed to be more manageable for her and so I just grew up like with this ideal in my head that the only way to manage my head was to put these chemicals in it and mm. to strip of its natural, you know, curl and basically conform to those Eurocentric ideals. Mm. And it took until, honestly, I watched that Chris Rock special good hair and I like sat there and I was like, hmm. Mm. And it, it was a lot of thinking, and it still took me a couple of years from there to even start because I was afraid of what I would look like without hair. I was afraid that I would look too mannish. I would, you know, not be taken seriously. I would, I had all of these fears and doubts about myself and who I was, and it was all attached to my hair. Uh, and so it was just one day I was like, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to, I just stopped relaxing it, but I never cut it. And so it was always this in-between state of mm-hmm. I had curled and I had the straight. And then finally that just drove me nuts. So I was like, let's just cut it. So I started by doing a mohawk. And so I cut the sides down. So I gradually brought myself to it. And then mm-hmm. after that, I started dyeing it. So, you know, mm-hmm. I did all of these intense, crazy colors. And so basically, I, I shot it as much as I could to where I had no choice but to cut it. Mm-hmm. And then I finally cut it. I rocked, you know, waves for like a year and a half. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Just totally. And now here I am. It's growing back. I have, you know, just my natural been. It's just seeing how curly it is and then how it really is manageable if you know what to do. If you and, know what to do. And so I made it a part of my mission is, you know, people that have that doubt, I'm like, 
I understand the doubt and I'm here to help you when you're ready. And mm-hmm. I can help you find the things that will make it work for you. And yeah. Oh so that's my God. Yes. Hey. I've been natural for like a hundred years, a long time, hundred years, <laughs> but like I have zero hair skills. And I remember being in college, I have a good friend, Alyssa, who like grows hair like a goddess and it's just, Oh, her hair is amazing. And yeah. so I would just have her do it. And then I graduated. I was like, oh, no, this is terrible. And then I moved to Denver, and it's dry. And I, oh, my gosh, hard. that hurt. So, Oh, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, and then I'm also, really- like, my job was terrible, so my hair fell out. And then for my 30th birthday, I cut it all off. And, you know, when a black woman cuts their hair, something's mm-hmm. up. And yeah. so I oh, cut off. What's going on? What happened? What you going through? Nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So it's amazing what, what happens with black women and their hair. And yep. now I had to start growing out my hair again because my barber is in Hong Kong and I can't get to him. So I was huh? like, well, I might have to grow that, out my hair. That's why I started because I was I was stuck on the waves. I really enjoyed it. But then it's like during COVID, I couldn't. And then moving here, so I moved to Denver two years ago, almost. And <laughs> so it was shortly after moving here, you know, and getting everything, getting acclimated, just when it was time to start getting out there and exploring, COVID hit. So oh, no. finding a barber here was not easy. <laughs> no. <laughs> My barber moved, and so he's <laughs> And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going out now. That's where. <laughs> exactly. My barber was amazing. I would go into his spot my first time. And, um, I told him, I was like, look, I want, I want a badass haircut and I want to look like I like boys. And he goes, yep. girl, I like you. And he did all the designs and, oh, he was phenomenal. Yeah, and my was, yeah, back oh. in Minneapolis is great. Great. Oh, you're from Minneapolis. Hmm? That's where I am. Yeah. How did you get to Denver? That's amazing. Um, tired of the drastic ass winters. Like, you know, 40, 40 years of winter is yeah. And Minnesota winters are a different source. <laughs> How did yeah. you pick Denver? Like that's a really um the, the weather, like, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the weather, the mountains, the fact that I get my four seasons, but primarily the fact that we was legal here. Mm. That's a good yeah. reason to move. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Oh, well, welcome to Denver. So fun. So, um, I have a couple questions about, like, perception of black women's hair so um as a business not really as a business owner let's speak from you can speak from that perspective or from the perspective of a black woman but you said earlier that you had a lot of fear and anxiety about cutting your hair because you didn't want to be hyper masculine you didn't um all of the negative things that we are often taught like about our hair um, mm-hmm. Can you speak more about that? And then also, when you did cut your hair, were some of those messages true or not? And then last question is like, 
what did you do with people's reactions? Okay. So some of the fears that I had, like, yeah, it was basically um, the perception of not being, you know, feminine and not still being the woman that I am. And for so many years, you know, you have makeup and hair is attached to what makes an individual feminine. And then also coming into these times of where gender has been accepted in different ways and finding that people are expressing their gender, how they feel they need to and rightfully should. So mm-hmm. it was all of that helped me feel like, okay, this is an okay time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I felt very secure in who I was, um, which that took a long time to get to. Um, <laughs> and Congratulations. Huh? Congratulations. It's a big deal. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you know, that accepting fully who I am and that I know who I am, so it doesn't matter what people think. So getting Mm -hmm. to that was a big step in it. And so when I did it, it was funny. Like, it almost made me feel more feminine it made me feel it made me embrace me more basically Uh, Um, and so it was and then seeing people's reactions to it like you know they loved it and like I said I had a bomb ass barber so mm -hmm. it always was on point (laughs) um and so it was just I felt really Mm -hmm. good you know Mm -hmm. and it, it really helped bring out more of me and I think it's, you know, and so it was hard to get to the point, but it was just pulling, pulling that trigger and doing it. And it was like, it was the release I needed, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, like cutting, cutting all of that away helped me be who I am today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. That's amazing. Um so talk about how you went from I landed or I drove to Denver to I opened a business. Like, what was that process like for you? Um, I know zero things about business. I'm an academic. Um, well, like I said, you know, I'm a freelance producer. So it's the fact, you know, business I am and have always been a business, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've had the concepts, know the concepts, but also in the fact that I have a master's in entertainment business. So I have a degree in running and operating a business, essentially. Mm -hmm. So so I had the foundation. Um, I got here. We moved um, here in July. It was July when we moved here. Um, I wasn't here because I was traveling. I, I was traveling for burlesque. So my partner moved here, got here with the dogs. I was in and out for a few months traveling. Then, 
got situated finally with no shows, anything. And like I said, that's when um, COVID initially hit was after that. And um, like I was just sitting and I was thinking, and I, when I moved to Denver, my original and my larger picture idea is I want to open um, a nightclub. And so that would take harder. That would be harder. That would take a lot more funding. That would take a lot more research and capital to begin. And so I was like, what can I do as a business that basically will start as a stepping stone for me and being able to help my neighborhood here that is in it's a very underserved neighborhood but it is on the cusp of gentrification so it's about Mm to everybody here is about to be kind of pushed out for a different you know um but i wanted to build something here that would help maintain people here and that would employ people within this neighborhood that would be for them and help them keep something of their neighborhood um so it was like something that i was trying to appease both my needs and the you know area's needs and so i was like yeah let's let's do a beauty supply store i was like because beauty supplies are something that we always need we always need to be taking care of our hair and our body. Um, I want to try to offer more natural and organic products so that people are putting less of these harsh chemicals in themselves. You know, so okay. try to think on all these levels, and that's what landed me to Velvet Boutique Beauty. Wow. I love it. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Can you share a bit about, because, like, I'm in- academic so I know zero things about making money naturally um but I can write a lot of work paper I'm really good at that so like how you said earlier that you knew the not the found what was the word foundations of business or you knew like how it all works can you give us like um a business 101 cliff notes version of like boom boom and this this is this is what you need to think about when you are wanting to start a business or um, go in that direction? Yeah, basically thinking about if you're going to do a product or service, like who who does that product or service serve? Who needs it? Is the area that you're in, does the market actually, you know, call for that? Does the demographics match the product and service, service that you're offering to that market? Um, and so if you have the need, the basic need and the market for it, it's just, you know, building partnerships with different, you know, vendors and things like that to get it started and finding capital, um, to do it. That has been my biggest struggle as a black woman starting a business. There aren't many, um, organizations that are willing to give me funds to do so uh especially you know coming from a background of not having the best financial security or upbringing and understanding finances as i was younger 
therefore my credit is not to where my white counterparts credit is at this age and so therefore I don't have access to the funds that they do so it was a lot of literally spending every dime that I had thankfully you know my partner was able to contribute and help me get things started and just you know struggling and you know bootstrapping as much as I could to get it going so obviously if you have the funds it's easier um and but it, I think the primary thing is just if you have the determination and drive to do it, just do it. Um, because there's always going to be someone along the way that can help you in the process. And okay. don't be afraid to ask questions because you're never going to know all of the aspects of anything until you actually ask someone that has already done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, as much as you can build a team of people that have experience, that the better. Mm-hmm. And also just general support, because the thing that's gotten me to where I am right now is just the support of my community and people that want to see me succeed. And so that has been very helpful. Wow. I love it. Um I think it's very interesting within, you know, the experience of being black in America that there are so many gatekeepers between mm-hmm. a regular black person like yourself, like me, and being successful. And one of those is the banking system and finances, um, because we have all great ideas. And people look at our little profiles and they're like, hmm, it doesn't look like that you know what you're doing or that you have the history and that's it's we have to work harder and prolong our dreams in order to get to where we want to be and it's that whole they want you to have this experience or they want you to have but how do you gain the experience or the knowledge without you giving me the opportunity and then that's Mm -hmm. something that I also want to do with my store it's as I'm not just employing employees I'm building a team of people that are going to learn how to build a business for themselves and how to maintain mm-hmm. a business for themselves, you know? So yeah. it's, if you don't pass that knowledge along, what's the point of having the knowledge? So true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Talk, um, so how do you plan to like scale your business? Like you said that you're wanting to build a team and like, what are you hoping for your business? I I want to have I want to be able to um, not only you know build like a family trust for my family so that my nephews and my brother siblings like their children and their grandchildren have something you know they never came from anything so I want their children to come from a little bit of something so in part with that I also want to be able to build a um fund for people like myself that are either artists that have an idea or a business owner that wants to open someone that identifies as a marginalized individual that cannot obtain funding having a source of funding so I want to be able to be a source of funding for those um, individuals and you know have that set aside 
And as far as like with my team, I want them to, it's, it'll be after a certain amount of time of working with me, you know, you're gaining equity within the business, you know, so it's your business as well. So you're wanting to see it succeed so that you can succeed and then you can branch out and start your own. So I, I want to build, I want to use it to build myself and others. Um, I love it. I also like how I feel like people who have been in the struggle are really the only ones who know and have the vision to get other people in the struggle out. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's because it's going to be tougher for us to do it because we don't have the means to do it. When if we have someone that hasn't struggled, wanting to help us not struggle, then that's just a step ahead. Why can't there be more like that? Why aren't there more individuals that say, oh, I have enough. Why can't I give? Why? You know, and ooh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a whole nother. It's a whole nother thing. You are right. <laughs> 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 yes, absolutely. I look at some people. I'm like, don't don't you think you have enough? I think I think you have enough. You like you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> so in China, I'm trying to tell people all the time now. Like, people need to be nice to China because there's so much money over here. So <laughs> much money. You're like, and I live in one of the. I live in a uh, a town that has. Uh, lots of wealthy 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 people um to the point where i don't teach them but i have friends who teach english to some of these like high power people in the city and they're like oh i have four helicopters how many do you have type of money and i'm like but you have one booty why do you need four helicopters I, that's you my four times you can't go <laughs> nowhere behind you needing more do you want more uh, helicopters Are you okay <laughs> you know one of my um um what's another story that i heard one of them owns all of the one of my friends taught um the ceo of all of the hilton hotels in this city he owns them what are we doing friend <laughs> And I'm like, do you want more hotels? What is he doing to better the 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 rest of the world now? What's he doing? Is outside of his family? Helicopters. Why are we asking these questions? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's amazing. It is just amazing. And I'm just sitting over here in my little apartment, like, does someone want to learn phonics? Okay, that's fine. We don't need to learn phonics. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, y'all, people need to be nice. Yeah, they're good. Yes. One of my, um, I, I had one student, um, and she said, um, you know, in her broken English, she was like, so... Um, she says, I, I make a lot of money. And I was like, 
Sounds How good, French. She was probably... Something's weird with your sound. I don't know what's happening. It keeps going in and out. Anyway, um, she was probably between 28 and 32, something around there. Maybe okay. a couple of kids. It was she and her husband. And my town is like the number one wholesale technology retailer in all of Asia is my city. So there's just money everywhere. And she's like, and I was like, so what's your job? And in her broken English, she's like, I open phone, this small piece, and I put this small piece and put this piece in here, close the phone, send to Pakistan. And I said, great. And I was like, and she goes, I make a lot of money. And I was like, great. And then she was, and she wanted to talk about it some more. So I was like, well. So is that like a so lot of money? Like, like the society is talk about how much money you make. Oh, all the time. Yes. And okay. so. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't officially ask, but I wasn't going to like stop her from talking. So um, she, I was like, okay, well, do you want to practice like your numbers? And we can like tell you like how much money, like I can tell you how to say it in English. And she, she's like, I need to see a calculator. So she like starts doing the calculator ding, 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 with all these zeros. And I was like, what in the world? Exactly. So then I did the, the math conversions and I was like, Oh my God, she makes changing the small piece from this piece, this close from send to Pakistan. She makes probably a hundred and twenty thousand U.S. dollars a month with her and her husband. And I was like, "Can I?" <laughs> that was my face. And she just has this little tiny shop in my city. All right, so can I, I'm going to come, I'm come work for three months. Yeah. I'm going to come work for three months. I was like, does, uh, does Pakistan need like, I just need to sell like a hundred phones. That's it. I'll be okay. It was amazing. So much money. So anyway, um, it's interesting oh to me God. how people who make massive, massive amounts of money um, still have the same thought about giving that money to other people they're just like no it's mine similar to the states it's just like with extra zeros over here it's the same mentality um it's unfortunate but anyway this is my it's not my interview it's your interview but yes i just wanted to give you an idea of just like the shenanigans i might be be coming over there for a little bit (laughs) come on over I'll feed you some noodles. You're more than welcome to come. Mm-hmm. I got to Once COVID is over. <laughs> yes, we can sponsor to another country. I think we might be able to make some money. Anyway. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Wow, that's um, amazing. It really is. Um, so let's talk about the um, free freelance producing. I was really intrigued when you said that you... You are your business. There's a lot of things that um, are happening right now in social media um, with branding. Branding is like the big thing right now. Of course, I'm an activist of things, but I'm, I'm working on it. So like you 
have been doing this thing for a while. Like you are the way that you make money. So can you talk about maybe not necessarily branding, but can you t- share with us like what you mean by I am my business? Like, mm-hmm. yes, um, I think it's I'm 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 my own boss um but as how I am my business is basically that you know I have to find I have to find the the gig I have to so I have to sort I have to source the source the job I have to research what's behind it I have to produce the product I have to which would be you know either the film my performance um the show I have to make sure everyone is taken care of whether it be my crew my my um self my cast um I have to have the follow-through to you know make sure everyone's so from start to end I do everything myself from everything Mm -hmm. So that's how I find, like, I am my business. Um, mm-hmm. I, and as far as, like, branding, I have formulated my brand as far as, you know, um, I, if someone sees me, they can see what I do in my appearance, essentially. Um, and just my knowledge of what I do, I try to share it with others and know that I have an obligation to know that someone else can understand what I'm doing, you know, and not mm-hmm. keeping knowledge for my, to myself. So if someone wants to know how I did it, I need to tell them how I did it, you know, um, to actually prove that I'm capable of doing it. That's kind of what my mentality is. Um mm-hmm. And so with the whole concept of branding, I, you know, I've just been taught to and, you know, taught as far as in my, you know, college classes and shit like that about business and branding that just to uphold to your product, you know, stand behind your product. And with me being my largest product, because without me, I don't get paid. Uh, So. I am my largest product, so therefore I need to stand up, you know, stand up for myself and be, you know, be the best me I can be in that situation. Um, did that make sense? It really does. I have a lot of okay. questions. My first follow-up question is, is, if you are your own business, then are you always on or, like, do you turn it off and then turn it back on like if you are walking off in target really? it's often yep i i've learned to you know turn it off when i need to turn it off when i when i don't want to be on i'm not on mm-hmm. simple as that really? um, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. uh <laughs> because it was because at the and what it what taught me that was literally having a mental breakdown because I was always on so it was having to realize okay I can't do that I can't keep pushing that hard I need to stop at some point 
and turn it off. So I've learned to turn it off. Okay, so can you share a bit more about like what turn on means, what turn off means? Like, because um, you said that, is this the burlesque side or is this the producer side or is this? Uh, and that's the, it, for me, it all comes together. It's all, I am all of that. So it's like, literally, once I, it's kind of like, once I step through my house, I'm off. Mm. When I step out, when I get, step out that door, I'm on. And that's kind of wow. how I, I do it, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's home, home is off unless I am working on some costuming or something Then I'm only partially on, you know. That's great. Um, how do you say yes to projects and how do you say no to projects? Like what are, what, are, what um, questions do you ask yourself like to know that this is the direction that you want to go or no, nah, we're not doing that? Um, how many other black or people of color are involved in the project? Um, who what whose lens is the project for um and is my voice going to be listened to when i voice a concern so it's those are like the three primary things that i look for um and then from there you know everything else kind of falls and you know from there like the treatment of people and things like that mm-hmm. okay I have another question so you said that um, those were your three questions which are fantastic I'm intrigued because you said those are things that I look for you did not say these are things that I ask so like I know with dealing with folks Those are jobs, bad. you could ask them, are these people racist? And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Everyone's great here. And then you go into this toxic racist environment. Um, so um, talk about the look for part. What is that? How, how does that work for you? Things that you're looking for. Things that I like what you're saying when I'm looking for a project. Yeah. So like you said, um, you are looking for a place where if you have a concern, you will be listened to. So when you go for a potential thing, how Mm -hmm. do you know that that is the place where if you have a concern, you will be heard? Um, Because I will have like asked the person you know that's running the production or the, some other people involved what their experiences have been so i will mm-hmm. ask and actually directly say okay so if this happens can you know will they listen type of thing so i've yeah. gotten pretty direct with my questions wow that is fantastic. Um, yes. Um, when did you decide that 
um, your nose were firm, like, instead of like, a, oh, I'll think about it, like, what, what is your absolutely no? And was there a time in your life when um, you went through a lot of yeses that you should have said no, and mm-hmm. it ended up being really horrible, but then you got to a time in your life where you're like, no, and it was because of the past times when you said yes. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yep. Uh, that okay. would be, um, let's see, could I pin down an actual month? I probably could. That would probably be April 2017 um, when I was working for, <laughs> I, I was working for um, Twin Cities Public Television back in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And I was hired initially in the job as a production coordinator, even though my experience allotted me to come on as a producer and was, you know, given the promise that from, you know, production coordinator, I would at least get to a production manager position while working there, you know, up to that point, I had exhausted myself and um, I had been performing as an associate producer for almost a year of the job, but still being paid as a production coordinator. Um, had earned um, at that point two Emmys that I did not get credit for. Um, and then was finishing a project that was about the history of the Minnesota Department of Human Rights. And so I was producing this three-part documentary. We did it in a matter of six months. We did three full documentaries. I was the associate producer. The producer, he allotted all of the excess of this documentary to me. And to have one of the other producers in the department and a meeting with the editor introduced the team. This was an outside editor that we brought in. She introduces the team and says, oh, that's, well, my muggle name. That's just our production coordinator. That moment, it was, it, it I broke. And it was a break that I didn't understand because it had never happened. And so it was so much rage. So I left. I left the office that day. After that meeting, I got my stuff. I left. I didn't return. I took a mental leave. You know, it was. It was so much that had led up to it from this producer, and it was just microaggression after microaggression, and so it was just like, okay, I I can't keep doing this, and it was just me saying yes, it was me saying yes, 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 because I thought me saying yes and doing all this was going to get where I needed to be, but then mm-hmm. it was, I am doing this documentary, and everything that I'm, all these interviews and things that I'm doing, I'm like, this is happening to me right now. So it was, it was that all of this history that I'm bringing into the, you know, and I'm like, 
the fuck I'm living this. Mm. I I can't believe, you know, so it was just all of that. And that was, no, I had a mental break. I couldn't, I could barely leave my home for like the next month. It was just all of this stuff. So that's was like, I can't do that. I no mm-hmm. longer keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. That was when, that's when it stopped. Wow. But I find, I can say it, it's like, so I left there and then that fall, I finally got the Emmy that I deserved because that producer, he made sure that I got what I did. And that was, this was an older white man that was extent pushing the knowledge where he knew it should have gone, you know? So he was doing what others, he, he was doing the work. He was trying, he was trying to build another person up. And so he made sure that I got the credit that I got, you know? So I, I appreciate him beyond, you know, but everything else about that experience, I was like, okay. So that's led me to where I am now, essentially. Wow. What is your Emmy in? Congrats. Thank so you. Cool. Yeah, I'm seeing Emmy plural. I don't know if you see her. You're going to see her. Oh, can wow. you see her? Look at him. Yeah, look there. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank How did you. you get it? Like, what was this? That's so cool. It was it was for the human rights documentary. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm so proud. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, so it was it was like the biggest thing that happened, but. It, it was so much about that situation, so. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. What was your healing journey like um, after the mental breakdown and the I'm in my house for a month? Like, how did you get to get outside your house or that's come when to I, That's when I started burlesque. It was shortly after that is when I started burlesque. Wow. So it was the, I had spent so much time behind the camera and, you know, behind the scenes. It was part of my healing. It was, I guess, for me to get out there and to get the courage to actually speak for myself. I had to get out in front of things. I had to be in front of the camera. I had to come from behind the scenes and be oh my god so great i have a thousand questions about burlesque because i grew up in church so i don't (laughs) know anything about burlesque (laughs) i know zero things um all i know is did i i did go to new york city um every couple years i go visit my super cool cousin and his husband and their cool baby and I go see a Broadway show every night. So I save up my money for a year. And one year I went to see Chicago. That's the extent of what I know about burlesque. And I was like, oh, I see their panties. I wasn't ready. That was me. That's all I know. But can you give us like a burlesque 101 on like, what, what is this? Because this is very exciting. Oh, and then there was the other time when I went, um, I was driving for Uber. Oh, mom listens to this. I wasn't, she's not supposed to know this story. But um, 
I was uh, driving for Uber and there was these drunk white ladies in the back and they're like, girl, I'm going to take you to the strip club. We're going to go to the strip club. And I was like, are you guys going to pay? Because Jesus said he don't like strip clubs, but okay. And so <laughs> they were like, drop us off, go park. We got your ticket. And I was like, okay. So I walked in and I was like, oh no, that was me in the back. I was like, I see, I see parts everywhere. They're everywhere. And like the clicking of the boots and the, the gear and the, I was like, y'all's legs are open. I wasn't ready. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, I was like, people go in here all the time. That is the life. <laughs> it is. Now it's your turn. Fill in all the blanks because I don't know. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Many people, like, you know, they want to say, oh, it's the art of tease, you know? Me, no, burlesque, we just strippers with extra, extra covering, basically. That's all it is. Um, And, yeah, people, they want to see a little show, a little tease, but essentially they're coming to see you go down to them pasties and the axles and see if you can make those pasties twirl, which I cannot do. Uh. <laughs> it's okay. We all have limitations. Okay. Right. We all do, but it's it's fun because it's something that like if you've ever had different ideas of personas within yourself, it's mm-hmm. a great way of an outlet. You know, it's like I I find it as you know I I use the term that I guess it's really not politically correct, but you know I I don't tend to be really politically correct all the time. Okay. Um, but you know it's kind of like getting to act out my civil side you know all those different sides of me that I have it comes out you know so it's like I have one of my routines and so when you say growing up in the church that's funny because one of my routines is an ode to Suge as in Suge Avery from uh, it starts off you know with sister you know that the song from color purple and then it goes into uh, LaCaylee 47, so it like just switches, but it's like just being able to embrace everything that you have inside you. Like, yeah, uh, I'm known as, you know, the goddess of Ganj. So one of my main um, acts and my character pieces is, you know, this green, you know, ethereal, like this green gown and this big green boa and yeah, you just come out and exuding all the power within you on that stage, or if you want to be silly, it's it's so fun. It's it's oh great. God. It's just any kind of creativity you have inside of you that you ever wanted, and it's about music. And so when you were like, you know, what are am I a reader or more in music? I do both, but it's like right now, music is my thing because it's like I'll hear a song and then instantly I get an idea for an act for it. So it's one of those yeah. things where I like, okay, I could do that. Like, yeah. So I, I don't yeah. know. I oh my God. wanted to do, but it, I didn't do it till later in life. And I'm like, yeah, why did I wait so long? <laughs> wow. So exciting. Um, what, what was your first burlesque moment? Like, like 
you walk out on stage, like what were your thoughts as you were preparing for your first, do you remember? My first one. So my first time on stage, it was during, a, it was like a group routine because I, it was through school that I um, was doing burlesque, that I started doing burlesque through. And so it was a group routine. So it was a little diff. It wasn't as stressful because, you know, you got all these people going. So if you mess up, you know, you got all these people out there with you. So it was different than doing it for my first time. My first time was like I was super duper nervous, but it was like as soon as I got on the stage, it went away. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fun <laughs> that is so cool um okay my next question with burlesque is so what is it like not being 21 not with the little legs not being light-skinned natural yep. hair like all of those things because when I saw Chicago and when I went to the strip club they don't look like you and I no. love them. so like no, yeah, so cool. don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, they don't look like me, and that's part of the questions that I have when I'm getting bookings. You know, it's how many, how many performers of size do you have? How many performers of color? You know, because if I'm the only one, I don't want to do it because I don't want to be your token. I'm not, you know. So, is me? I produce shows that are all black, all black and POC. So I know it's easy to do. It's mm. not it's not hard to have at least half, you know, if I can do a whole damn show, you can do half of your past. So it comes down to what your desire is essentially and what you feel your audience wants. And I'm sorry, an audience we can feel we can feel an audience too with an all black show. So this is all of those things that um I you know, try to, it's like me and quite a few other people out here, it's that be the burlesque you want to see. So mm-hmm. we're, we're taking up that space. We're out here doing shows. We're taking up, you know, that's mm-hmm. those stages. We are building those festivals. We're doing it because it needs to be done. Uh, I'm obsessed. Um, what is the... Who buys a ticket to a burlesque show compared to a strip club or to, I don't even know where you go for, like, who who's buying tickets? Everybody. You get, you get, you know, there's, shows, there's a bunch of virtual shows you can get tickets to right now. I can send you those links afterwards. You um, know what? You can post them on my page. I will post <laughs> them on the thing. Yes, yeah, sure will. Uh, um, there's, but it's a lot of times, like, it's ironic, like older people, like older people, couples, um, obviously, you know, it's like, you know, you got your women, your bachelorettes and shit like that. But it's a lot. Burlesque audiences are mostly, I would say, over the age of 40 and up is older burlesque audiences. Wow. So they, so they out there and they want to see you. That's amazing. 
because you think you have the younger folks that are the strippers, the younger folks, the, you know, right. the younger, you know, the people that are more, you know, hood inclined and things like that. Those are the strippers, but the other, the people that have aged out the strip clubs are the girl ass shows. Also, and then do strippers do burlesque, or is it like a special niche for them? No, it crosses. Wow. So, you you have some burlesquers that are like anti strip, unfortunately, that are anti strip club. You know, I'm like those I don't understand them. Um, but the bulk of us, it's like you understand you're doing the same thing and mm-hmm. some you know there's many right now that are you know do both they'll yeah. they're, you know tonight the strip club but they're also wonderful burlesque performers <laughs> oh, that is fantastic do you have goals as a burlesque dancer like is there like some sort of special tutorial you want to learn how to do or a, a thing like you you mentioned the pasty the little tattoo. Yeah. I would you like said to you can't do this. What? Yeah. I don't. I just don't think my boobs will allow it. Even though I've seen some with bigger than me that do it, it's just I don't think I got the muscle to mm-hmm. do. Um, I want to perfect the asshole twirl. Like I think I can do that. I'm gonna be able to do that. Um, I'll never be able to do a drop split. I figure that out like no Mm-mm. that's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> wow like right i think my, my main goal for me right now is to be able to get back into performing in my six inch rows that's my main goal is getting back to that because i've had knee surgery this um past year so getting back those shoes is a goal and I have like shows that are my goals more so than. Uh, Hold on, there's something with the sound. Just a minute. Okay. Okay, it stopped. Okay. I said, I more so have shows that are my goal versus actual like things in an act. So Mm. I want to do Jeezy's Juke Joint. Um, And I don't know, there's, I would like to do like the Ibiza Burlesque Festival. I'm going to Panama. I'm actually, I was supposed to be in Panama this past year, but COVID. So next mm-hmm. year, I'll be in Panama. And yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Okay. Um, how has cha- How has being a burlesque woman changed how you see yourself? It has helped me fully see the strength in myself as well as the as well as being able to observe and understand people socially better um i 
you know, have experience with, you know, behavioral studies and things like that. So that helps me navigate some of the things that occur in the community better than others. Um, so being able to digest information in a different way has been helpful. Mm. Um, and just knowing that I can just be who I want to be. It's just been very freeing. It's been very freeing to just fully be me. Oh my gosh. So cool. Okay. Um, I think you're one of my heroes now. That's so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So you can answer these questions in either order, but I would like to know what is it like being black in Denver and what is it like to be a black woman in 2021 in America? Being a black woman in 2021 in America is unfortunately still tough as shit. Um, (laughs) It seems like no matter how much progress people say they've made, they we have not because we still tend to be the ones continually shat on and disregarded and taken advantage of until someone needs something we produce that result for them and all of a sudden we're getting our accolades or something drastic happens to us and like oh god we need to support them well no we needed that support before that drastic situation occurred Mm -hmm. um maybe it wouldn't have occurred just it sucks it sucks and so living in that reality of being a black woman in america makes me push harder to say fuck you essentially that's pretty and, <laughs> and so i i'm tired i'm tired and so i will no longer keep my mouth shut i'm gonna say what the fuck i gotta say if you don't like it i don't care mm-hmm. that's me as a black woman in america as a black woman in denver it's kind of the same mm. um that's just me. That's just how I am right now. And if they can't accept it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Part of why I came to Denver is because I'm from Minnesota, where you've heard the term Minnesota Nice. Oh, so you're from Minnesota. Minnesota Nice. Mm. That is a blanketed term for passive-aggressive racism. And I'm, I am tired of the passive-aggressive. I am at a point where just give it to me. And so I was like, here in Denver, it seems it would be more blatant than it was there. So I'm going to take that. I'd rather have my face than behind my back. It's interesting that you say that the racism in Denver is more blatant 
than in Minnesota. Did I hear you say that correctly? Yeah. Because I, I think it's because they haven't they haven't learned how to be nice about it. They they haven't been taught that you have to, you know, be nice like we had in Minnesota, you know, so it's going to happen. I mean, when I moved here, he he has moved away now, but our neighbor next door and it was like I embraced it. I really did because he he was a racist ass fucker. But right. you could and things that he said, you know, it was in the undertones of things. It was like, oh, he wasn't taught that you don't say that, you know. So and but I was OK with that because I knew where he stood. <laughs> yep. You know, and mm-hmm. but then so since then, you know, he got a divorce. He sold his house. Now we have a wonderful native couple that lives next door. Great. You know, so it's just that just knowing, like, and then listening to people like, oh, I gotcha. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 that's the difference in Denver, Minnesota. (laughs) That is fascinating. Most folks that I talk with um, say that um, it's still very covert racism in, in Denver. So I'm surprised that you see it as being very overt. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah. because I come from a more covert yeah. place. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. so it's less... <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Because China's on some other stuff. They can <laughs> be like, we don't like y'all. We, don't want, we want you gone. Go back to Africa. We're not going to sit with you. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't look at I am cool with that. You know what? I can return. I it sure too. am. I can give it back too. Let's yes. do this. I'm like, hey, then don't sit next to me on the train either. I didn't want to sit next to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can walk away. <laughs> it's easier that way than people who are nice to your face. It really it's is. So easier. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier. It sure is. Like, <laughs> Just say you don't like. Keep it moving. All right. I don't like you neither. Okay. Thank Good. you. That's all I mm-hmm. needed. Because I ain't about to waste energy on you trying to make it seem different. Exactly. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and so see, and that's, 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 that's yeah. the one thing. That's the only thing that I am grateful for Trump because he brought all that shit out to light. All of it to the light. He brought it mm-hmm. out. I was like, thank you, dude. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. I know who to block. I know who to unfollow. Yes. I'm not going to your house no more. Mm-hmm. Yes. We not friends. Not going to your birthday party. Oh, no more wasting <laughs> money on you. Oh, I don't no, gotta you're do not that. No, no. <laughs> oh goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, so you said that you mentioned gentrification and that you are in an underserved community. You don't have to share like where you live and feel like it, but like um, gentrification in, in Denver is a really big issue. Lots yep. of folks are talking about it, both black folks Ooh. and white folks. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? And what you see, because you're a newbie, you don't know much. You don't know about the history of Denver. And the city, so I'm a newbie, but yeah, I had I've been consistently visiting, you know. So I've um, been here. So 
So I've watched shit like change over the yeah. visits and stuff over the few years. And I was like, okay. And so that's what made me understand what was happening. And so it was, it was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to go now. It was that if we don't move here now, we're not going to get here because, you know, that also um, contributed to the increase in housing, you know? So it was really hard to find a house. It was hard to do that. But then, so I wanted to be in a neighborhood. I wanted a real neighborhood feel. So, and I have no problem sharing because I'm in Montbello. Montbello is where I reside. My store is in Montbello, you know, five minutes from. So therefore I have the feel. I want to hire people from Montbello. I want to help this neighborhood overcome what is about to happen to it. You know, Mm -hmm. I want them to have some sort of stake in what is happening in the neighborhood. Therefore they don't feel like they're being pushed out, but they're part of the development basically. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's like, I understand on the minute scale, the benefits of gentrification that it can be very helpful, but what on that larger scale, I don't like, that it pushes out the natives of said area and brings in people that don't understand the area. Mm-hmm. And therefore, those people that are coming in, then they're complaining about the crime rate. They're complaining about this. Well, you brought yourself into this area that was already like this, you know? So don't complain about it. Help. Help improve it. Help actually change it. Help do something to so that this doesn't have to happen. And that's Mm. part of what I want to be. It's like, I want to be like, yeah, I'm a business here starting, but just because I'm starting, it doesn't mean I'm trying to push you out. I live in this neighborhood. I want you to live in this neighborhood. I want us to, I want you to be able to say, okay, that space that's open, help me figure out how do I obtain that space for my business? I want Mm. to be that force, you know, I want to help people in this community take it for themselves. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. I love it. Oh, so good. Um, do you have a message that you want to tell black people? Do you have a message that you want to tell white people? Black people? Stay black. Live by that old adage. You ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. You ain't got to do shit. You don't owe nobody nothing. You don't owe nobody but yourself anything. Point blank. White people, get your shit together. Start helping people that need the help. Stop hoarding all of the wealth for yourself. If you are talking about being an ally, don't just talk it. Be about it. You know, actually help someone overcome their struggles instead of talking about, oh, I I feel bad about their struggles. We don't need your thoughts and prayers. We need reparations. Point blank. That was deep. Absolutely. Yes. Um, favorite song, favorite book. What are we reading? What are we what are we listening to? Ooh. Most recent thing that I read that I really enjoyed was There Will Be No Miracles Here 
Um, that was a really good book. That is by Casey Gerald. That was really good. Um, song that I really... <laughs> the song that I'm really digging right now is Janae Eichel BS. Uh, that, 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 that is that that that's my groove right now because yeah. <laughs> there's just there's so much message in that song that I, I, I get. <laughs> yes I remember so I run regularly over here that's like my uh-huh. one thing to because if I don't run I fall apart and so um I remember I was having a bad day and I went on a date with a silly boy who was being extra silly. And um, <laughs> the following day, um, I put on a random playlist and it was Janae. And I was like, I'm about to light the whole city on fire. Like I was <laughs> hot and I ran so fast that time. <laughs> and I was like, I need to change this because I'm. She did change You was like, oh no, he on that bull. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> the same thing it was awful and I was like oh my goodness I'm gonna start saying the F word I'm trying not to today I'm trying not to <laughs> oh my goodness it was that one and the same thing happened to me um a couple Ooh. days ago um, it was another boy who was being extra silly and I was like, you know what I need to listen to is some chill music. And I listened, me and my my stupid self put on um, Jasmine Sullivan's new album, <gasps> Hotels. Ah! <laughs> I forgot about that. I was going to go find and burn it. Don't, don't forget to pick up your feelings. <laughs> every morning, so when, oh. I, when I open it in the store, and that's all I blasted. I'd be in there. Oh. <laughs> Don't pick up your feelings. Oh pick my God. Yes. Oh. I jam too right now. So those two songs. So they say yeah. a lot. That says a lot. They sure did. <laughs> yes. I was like, I need to set up another therapy appointment because I'm angry. <laughs> yes, it was. It was fire. It was fire. Ooh. So, you are in a mood. Yes. May I go, Jasmine Sullivan, get your life together. There you go. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Favorite spot in Denver that you feel like everybody needs to go see for the epitome of Denver or like your one little nook that you just love? My favorite place um, in Denver is Intersections Restaurant. Um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know if you've been there since, when did you leave? When did you move? It just opened like a few weeks before I left. And I had uh, one good time and it was great. Yes. Tell us yeah. about Intersections is the best. It's like, it's, it's Stapleton. I guess is in the Stapleton area. Um, it's owned and operated by this lovely little black man that, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm at grandpa's house every time I go in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just so quaint. The 
the decor is just but i'm a dr seuss fan so when i walked in and saw all of the art i was like oh my goodness and then just i i it's just everything about the place i love it and the food the food is bomb the food is bomb Mm -hmm. But it's more about the experience of being in there and just the attention he gives. It, it, I don't know. I love mm-hmm. intersections. So Go to intersections, please. Yes. Oh, I loved it. Okay. So I don't know if you were paying attention on the social media. A couple of years ago, there was Salt Bank. Do you remember Salt Bank? It was that super hot guy. And he oh, got yes. Yes, because yes. he did yes. a little, you know, yeah. this one and he threw the salt. Okay, so we're going to do Salt Bay. Do you have okay. like a little bit of extra little salt that you want to throw in this interview, this conversation that just the final touches? Um, final touch. Don't be afraid to be you. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid because even if those closest to you don't like it there's others that will so just be you and if someone got a problem with it call me and and i'm gonna let them know that it ain't right and you're gonna be you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh i love it thank you so much for sharing your story it has been Oh, the highlight of my week chatting to you for sure. Yes. You too. Um, yes. How can people find you, support you, uh, pay you money, do the thing to make sure, like, how do we, how can we um, connect with you? Um, the easiest way to connect with me right now is probably through the store website, www www.velvetboutiquebeauty.com and velvet is spelled V-E-L-V-I-T so that's V-E-L-V-I-T boutiquebeauty.com and there's the you know the contact me box on there the shop with us do some shopping with me I'm working on getting international shipping set up so that should be, you know, within the next couple of weeks, we should be able to do that. Um, but yeah, there's a contact form on there. So you can always contact me through there. If you want to support the store and me otherwise, PayPal, you can always shoot us a little something via PayPal and find us under the store. Velvet Boutique Beauty is our PayPal there. So yeah, drop me a line. Say hello. I like new contacts. Yeah. Let's be friends. Yay! Excellent! All right. Well, it has been our pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Melanated Stamps. Oh, goodness. That interview gave me so much life. And I'm hoping that, like, you, like me, were inspired to do greatness and to continue the greatness that you're doing in your life. Man, oh man, thank you so, so much for joining uh, me in a conversation room and um, sharing your greatness on the on the podcast airwaves. And I wish you all the best. Um, for those of you who are living in America, have access to the PayPal, have access to GoFundMe, she um, is raising support for her store right now um, because there are some people in and around her her store who are not wishing her the best. And they, um, I think, you know, the information is on GoFundMe, but they 
um, hurt the glass of her store and we're trying to break in and she is um, raising money right, 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 right now to um, to purchase security cameras so that um, she can stop these incidences from happening. She is doing what she can in order to um, grow and support and um, be great for the black community. That is her passion. And you can tell that in the podcast. So go find her, support her on GoFundMe, send her some money, send her some of your coins in her PayPal. Um, it doesn't take a lot of money in order to send her love. And it do- it means the world to us when you support us in how in in a very tangible way. So please support her because she is amazing. Um, also... Um, for future episodes, if you are reading a black author book, a book by a black author, um, you can send me a blurb on what you are reading. And all I'm asking for is like your name, where you're from, the book you're reading, just a quick commentary, less than 30 seconds. And I will add it to a future podcast episode because we as human beings need to be reading books by black authors. Secondly, if you know of someone who needs their story highlighted, or if you yourself are someone who needs your story highlighted, um, hit me up in my DMs or hit me up on um, Facebook and or Instagram or my website, MelanatedStamps.com, at MelanatedStamps um, on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, it's M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D-S-T-A-M-P-S, and we can get you on the podcast airwaves. Um, thank you so much for supporting my work. Thank you for sharing, following, subscribing, um, and letting other folks know that I am out here doing the thing. Um, until next time, y'all, read Black Authors, go be great, um, change your and reframe how you see the news by, um, listening to stories and lives of other people. That's the whole reason I'm doing this on the internet. Um, Yes. Until next time. Bye, y'all.